I'm shook. Welcome to the Holly Shook Podcast. I'm Armin, and I'm joined, as always, by one of the stars of the Chicago stage, Ryan Alkire. How are you, Ryan? Hello, peasants. So good to be here. Um, thank you so much for having me, and you're welcome for me being here, too. From the stage to the podcast, Rye, thank you so much for blessing us with your voice. You're welcome. Um, yes, I am famously a sketch comedian here in Chicago. You may have heard of my sold-out show this past week, but I was able to squeeze this in in between all my press conferences and award show um, banquets and stuff like that. The banquets, the conferences, the interviews, the junkets, you do it all. All the things that just famous people do, like me. Will you be taking your play to Los Angeles, to Broadway, to off-Broadway? I mean, I need to see you. Um, yeah, it's, I've been getting calls from, from Broadway. Um, so we've been chatting me and Broadway. Um, and their number is 1-800-BROADWAY, right? When you need to get in contact with them? Um, 1-833-BROADWAY. Um, and yeah, so they do sketch comedy now. Um, they don't just do musicals and like serious plays because they just, heard how fun funny mine was and they were like broadway's missing that broadway's on the down and down so they need something to bring it back up so 45 minutes sketch comedy that's it and will you be submitting for a tony tony's called me um so tony himself has called you the tony um the original tony has called so between calls with him and with broadway it's been a really crazy week I barely had time to do this. They are calling me right now, um, but... Pick up, pick up. Let's actually... So the listeners can hear I, Tony and Broadway on the phone. I, I, I did, I'm sick of hearing them right now. I don't want to um, have to listen to their voices right now. Broadway's especially is annoying. It's like, ugh, Broadway. Shut up. This is another level, people. It, when you are on Ryan Alkire's level, you can literally send t- Mr. Tony, the Tony, to voicemail. Like, that's another level of fame, of celebrity, of uh, theatrical ability and competency. Yeah. Like, Ryan is just killing it right now, people. Yeah, the people we talk about on this podcast wishes, wish they were me. I think this person I'm about to talk about today would definitely wish they were you. Mm. I mean, not surprising. But that goes for, like, everyone. Like, all 7 billion people on this planet want to be you. Right, right? Yeah, especially famous ones and rich ones. And this person was especially rich. Should we get into the guessing game? Sounds like it's time for the guessing game. We need the musical interlude. The guessing game. Ooh, yeah. That was bad. No, that was great. I loved it. I see why you're on the stage now. Yeah, Broadway. (laughs) So, I am returning to a very similar scandal concept as the last scandal I did for my historic celebrity scandal breakdown. So, the last time, if y'all don't remember or know, I covered Winona Ryder's arrest. So, we are dealing here also with an arrest, but not in the same vein. So, don't think in terms of the same sort of felony. Okay, 
but this person did face felony charges. But unlike Winona Ryder, was ultimately convicted and went to prison. Martha Stewart. <laughs> How did you know? Is it really? It is. It is. It's Martha Stewart. <laughs> I don't know because I just feel like she's like famously went to prison. <laughs> she did famously go to prison. It I was... don't know why. Like exactly the first thing I thought of. <laughs> I think it's because it was in the formative years of our understanding of celebrity. Yeah. 2003, we're both 10 years old. And this was one of the biggest scandals of the 2000s. And like I said, it's during those formative years where we're starting to like get into pop culture and zeitgeisty topics. I also feel like, well, first off, I did not know it was 2003. Um, but of course I didn't. But I, I feel like it was so shocking because even though I was like a newborn infant at this time, Martha Stewart seemed like such like wholesome like, I feel like she was, like, my grandma. So then, like, hearing about her, like, going to jail, it's, like, it was, like, shocking. You're, like, no, but she's, like, a grandma. Like, I mean, that was her persona. Yeah. I was, like, grandmas, like, can't do bad stuff. And also, like, I feel like it was the first time a celebrity getting punished, if that makes sense. And in, like, my ch- childish head, I was, like, well, celebrities can't get in trouble. Like, they're celebrities. Like, I don't know. I mean, we, we kind of were born into that with O.J. Simpson getting away with murder just a few years into our, our being. Right. So I could see I mean, how that, like, concept really, like, stuck with you. Yeah, I just remember being like, no. Like, not thinking it was real. But I honestly forget the details. I forget, like, what she even did. So well, I'm buckling up. That's why I'm here. And... Today I have a prop for you, a physical prop. I wish I could show the listeners this, but I'm going to show you and you can react to it. What the fuck? And I have extensively interacted with one of the players in today's scandal. Interacted? Yeah. Like you were talking to them? Yeah. Is it Snoop Dogg? (laughs) No, no, I wish. I've never met Snoop Dogg. That'd be great. Oh, like you've already met one of the people in real life? Yeah. Okay. I thought you meant you like reached out to someone when you were researching and was like, hey, <laughs> can I talk to you about this? No, that would be amazing. No, I actually, I met an FBI agent. What? Four years ago, October 2015. He was involved in this scandal. That's so random. Did you ask him about it? It was a part of his talk. I went to a, a talk about insider oh. trading, which is why Martha Stewart went to prison Okay, so you are at, like, a conference of sorts. Exactly. Okay, you made it, like, I just, I imagine you at, like, a cocktail party, and, like, for some reason, there's an FBI agent at the cocktail party, and you, like, got to know this. Basically. But I'm going to show you a physical prop for that later. Let's get into Martha Stewart. Oh, yeah, but just so everyone knows, the prop thing is freaking me out already. (laughs) I'm just, like, so nervous. Like, what could you own that I need to see about this story? You'll see. You'll find out, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, like, increase the uh, tension here by not showing it to you until much later. I feel like it's, like, an oven mitt. How'd you know? Is it an oven mitt? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Martha Stewart sold oven mitts. 
I know. That's why I'm like, you what, you own a Martha Stewart oven mitt? She she sold every kind of kitchen appliance. I know, I love her. She did everything. So, okay, who is Martha Stewart? If if y'all don't know, I feel like you kind of have to know who Martha Stewart is. She is like a part of the fabric of American home economics. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you don't know who she is, she's a crazy successful businesswoman in a lot of different fields. She's written a bunch of books. Uh, she's had multiple TV shows, and she was even a former model, which I did not know. Wow. She founded uh, Martha Stewart Living Omni Media, which is the company uh, in which she conducted a lot of her business, you know, like selling merch, kitchen appliances, uh, where she produced her TV shows, where she published her books. It was under that umbrella of Martha Stewart Living Omni Media. Uh, which was actually a publicly traded company. Fancy. But let's get into Martha Stewart's background so you know a little bit about her, her upbringing, and how she got to this echelon of being the first female billionaire in America. What? Yeah, and being one of the most successful and and widely known people in the world. That was where she was at at one point. She's kind of lost that status today, um, but that I could argue that's just because celebrity is so diffuse now. Yeah, there's like younger people in the game. It's all about HGTV now. <laughs> it's all about HGTV, but it's also because you have platforms like YouTube and now TikTok. And there are celebrities on there that I don't even know. But if you talk to a middle schooler or a high schooler today, those are their celebrities. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it at all. <laughs> But Martha Stewart, when we were growing up, was one of the biggest celebrities. So, who was Martha Stewart? She was born in New Jersey uh, in 1941. She was actually the second of six children, Rye. Damn. This was an interesting tidbit. When she was 10 years old, she would babysit for Mickey Mantle's kids. That You may not appreciate that, but that's kind of crazy. I don't even know who that is. You're like, what's a Mickey Mantle? And also, why are you letting a 10-year-old babysit your ch- children? Like, the 10-year-old needs a babysitter. Because <laughs> Martha Stewart was always ahead of her time, right? That This goes to prove that she was always ready to tackle home economic issues, right? Like babysitting and putting together probably meals for the kids. She was already ahead of the curve at 10 years old. Still irresponsible parenting, but okay. <laughs> well, Mickey Mantle is one of the great baseball players of all time. Mm. Still doesn't really make it good that a 10-year-old is watching his children, but okay, whatever. <laughs> Played for the New York Yankees. I mean, it was a different era, Rye. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um, she began modeling at 15 years old. Okay, that makes a little more sense. Okay, here is kind of an ironic tidbit. Mm. Martha Stewart became a stockbroker in 1967, considering the fact that she would ultimately be charged by the SEC uh, in a insider trading scandal. Kind of ironic. Uh, I still don't know really what insider trading means, so I'm just kind of going along with it. I'll get into that. But basically, okay, I'll tell you now. Insider trading is when an individual makes an investment decision, whether it's purchasing or selling stocks, with... Mm non-publicly disclosed information. So they are privy to information that the public is not privy to. 
and then yeah. they're they're selling stocks. In got it, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sketch. Uh, in 1976, Martha Stewart started a catering business. So this is kind of like a prelude to what she would eventually do, right? And then in 1982, she publishes her first book called Entertaining. <laughs> so broad. Yeah, it's like, wait, are you like entertaining like a clown or do you entertain guests, which I'm assuming is the case, but like it could be uh, like notes on how to do stand-up comedy. I don't know. It could be like how to get in contact with Broadway to entertain other people on stage. Well, we know that. It's 1833 Broadway. Right. I mean, take a page out of my book, honey. What, what's Tony's number, by the way? 1-800-TONY. But there's like three Ys, so it still has, yeah. So then it's seven numbers. Tony. <laughs> That's how you're actually supposed to say Tony, by the way. When you say the Tony Awards, nobody says it right. It's actually the Tony Awards. Tony. I feel like my voice is getting more and more annoying. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> um, here's what's crazy, though, right? Over the next six years, Martha Stewart publishes like seven plus books. How the heck? I have no clue. But between 83 and 89, she publishes these books and apparently more. Martha Stewart's Quick Cook. Martha Stewart's Hors d'oeuvres. Oh. Martha Stewart's Pies and Tarts. Oh. A book just called Weddings. Of course. Gotta keep it broad. The next year, a book called The Wedding Planner. Couldn't have been just like a chapter in Weddings? No, it could not have been. Also, I've heard that that's the inspiration for the J-Lo and Matthew McConaughey movie. Oh, iconic. Uh, by the way, that's not accurate. <laughs> oh, I was like, wow. <laughs> I didn't know it was based on already published materials. <laughs> I wanted to clarify because I didn't want it to be a moment that people picked on where they go, like it gets aggregated of sorts and it's like, oh, this guy said that that was the inspiration of the J-Lo and Matthew McConaughey movie. There is no evidence of that being the case. I was making a joke, people. I love that you like assume people would like care enough about that one tidbit and like get into angry fights about it. About <laughs> right, right. People have done that with our podcast before. Get a life, losers. <laughs> <laughs> did you see? Did you see the uh, review where someone got really mad at you for not knowing that Phil Hartman died? <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you hide all my negative reviews from me? I don't usually send them. Oh, I love... Girl, you know I love the haters. Send them my way. The Thank subject you. line of the review is ignorant. <laughs> yep, nope. Sums it up. Look, I own my truth, honeys. I don't know what the fuck's going on ever, so... Sue me. I, I told Dara this. I was like, that is actually the best review we've ever gotten because those who know our dynamic would be like, oh, okay, that's... An amazing review. Yeah. I'm taking it as a compliment. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, that's the perfect bit for that moment, as I'm telling you about Phil Hartman's murder-suicide. Okay, as if that guy knows every single celebrity who died. Yeah, like, can we can we test that guy? Hey, if you're still listening to this, if you gave us a one star and you're still listening, um, <laughs> we want to quiz you. Yeah. Who died recently? Hmm? Hmm? Do you know who died recently? Name every person who died, sir. I bet he couldn't. 
Yeah, Betty couldn't. And I'll write a review about you on something. <laughs> I'm going to go to Yelp. Yelp. <laughs> <laughs> I need to invent an app for reviewing people. Like, just like random strangers. No, that's horrifying, right? That's, 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 that was literally an episode of Black Mirror. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Martha Stewart's quick cook menus comes out the same year as The Wedding Planner. God once again, could have just been a chapter in Quick Cooks. Yeah, five years earlier, she releases a book called Quick Cook. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Why didn't she just put the menus section in the Quick Cook book? I'll say this. She was ahead of her time because now everything is about segmenting and niche content. She was like going hyper niche. It's like, okay, you could get a book about weddings, but I'm not going to tell you how to fucking plan that shit. Yeah. And I'm not going to release the planning book until after the weddings book. So you have to buy weddings, but you can't really read it until after a year because you don't know how to plan the wedding yet. It was basically a prequel. Yeah, it's a prequel, but later. What? (laughs) I think that's how prequels work. (laughs) 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 Because otherwise it would just be a regular. It would just be a sequel. It would just be a movie and then a sequel. Oh, God. <laughs> it's okay. It's early. Not that I'm early. I'm ignorant. <laughs> We're going to get another one-star review, right? Bring him on, baby. She also released a book called Martha Stewart's Christmas. By the way, she's released a million books. She's written a million columns. This is all accurate, by the way, the numbers. She's written hundreds of thousands of pieces on homemaking, apparently. I heard it was more like trillions of billions. Well, trillions of billions of newspaper columns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to get it confused. Uh, she would also make TV appearances on the Oprah Winfrey show. Ever heard of it? I was on Drake and Josh that one time. Oh, right. He just loved Oprah. He loved Oprah. That's cool that Martha was on that too. Martha Stewart did what Josh wished he could have done. Martha Stewart walked so Josh Peck could run, to be honest. <laughs> That's the moral of this whole podcast. <laughs> Um, she even launches a magazine called Martha Stewart Living. Oh, yeah. I'm knowledgeable about that one. I think my mom subscribed. Everyone's mom subscribed. You're not special. Okay. Wow. (laughs) Took a dark turn. (laughs) Circulation peaked at 2 million copies and issue in 2002. Damn. So that's what I mean, everyone's mom. That's like literally everyone's mom. It's two million moms on the planet, so that makes sense. (laughs) Don't know how the rest of us got here, but... Um, In 93, though, she begins her own weekly half-hour television program. Okay. Eventually, the show would become a full-on weekday show and would expand to a full hour in 1999. She would be a frequent contributor to the Today Show, to the Early Show. She would appear in all those like holiday specials. She was everywhere. Like she was in your books, she was in your magazines, she was on Oprah. If she wasn't on Oprah, she was doing her own TV show. When she wasn't doing her own TV show on Oprah's show, she was doing Larry King Live. When she wasn't doing any of those, she was even on your Today Show and your Early Show. Where wasn't she and how did she have the time? She's cloned. There's a clone of her. So that's the scandal. The insider trading thing was a misdirect. Okay, so we're going to get into cloning. Um, really quick tidbit. We don't have to get into this. 
Barbara Streisand clones her dogs so that when they die, she just has it again. It's so weird. It's like, frightening. Like, yeah, deep dive into that, but that's a different story, honey. Is that a future Holly Shook? Holly Shook, but when she stops cloning her dogs, then she just has to buy a new dog. What's the incentive to do that? I don't know. Being a normal person. <laughs> Does Barbara Streisand have any incentive to do that? Yeah, no, I guess not. <laughs> um, in 97, she launches her own company, the Martha Stewart Living Omnimedia Company I mentioned earlier. Yes. She was the chairwoman, president, and CEO. Show off. <laughs> she did it all. I'm telling you, she literally did it all. She's annoying, kind of. <laughs> why i don't know i'm just like okay we got it and like what is new like i don't know i guess i just don't i never got really into her or like this type of entertainment so i'm like what okay you can cook things like i don't know i just it weirds me out that people like like to like watch older white women like cook on tv so what you're saying is you don't like rachel ray i don't not like rachel ray i don't not like martha stewart I just, like, don't get how you can do this for so long and have so many different things. They just like to cook. And and guess what? The TV food industry is huge. Like, do you not watch Top Chef or Chopped or no, any get, of those shows? I get that it's huge. It's just weird, okay? Why does she need a whole freaking array of magazines about it? Okay, I, I will give her this. When she released her quick cookbook, I was like, but how do I develop this into a cohesive menu? who the fuck is sitting around making all the things in a cookbook? You know? It just feels like a lot of effort. You know who would, Camille? There are people that would. My mom also subscribed to Bon Appetit, that freaking other magazine. Mm-hmm. And she would get it every month. And she had a, like, a stand in our kitchen where she would display that month's Bon Appetit. That's the cutest and thing she, I've ever heard. And she would never touch it. I'm like, mom, <laughs> You're not even cooking anything from this. Like, but it's on display in our kitchen, like the $5 magazine. Like, I'm so confused. I like to think that your mom has like an affiliate sponsorship with Bon Appetit and like every new subscriber she can get, she just gets like 10%. Yeah, but bitch, none of, no one in our house was subscribing to it or using it. It was so weird. I was like, okay. Can I just say this though? The one like cooking person that I'm very down to be annoyed by and get rid of is Paula Dean. Well, yeah, she's racist. Right. I think she has been rid of, she's been ridden of. Yeah. So, but you know, I can, I, I'm not saying I'm a Martha Stewart fan. I don't think I've ever watched one of her programs, to be honest. Yeah. But I, there's a space for that. That's all I'm saying. I get it. I get it. You know what? Good for her. When does she go to jail? <laughs> I don't know how I've become like the ardent defender of Martha Stewart. I don't even care about her. I'm a huge Top Chef fan. Yeah. That's the I one don't. show I love. Tom Colicchio, that's my guy. I don't I don't know. I just like don't like find the pleasure in watching other people cook because mm. you don't even get to eat it. That's the one drawback. Yeah. So you get really I, hungry and then you have to eat like substantially worse food. Yeah, and then I'm, like, going to the, my frozen pizza in the oven. I'm, like, cool. Like, this is not foie gras. I add 
I add fresh arugula to my frozen pizza. So riddle me that, bitches. Where's my magazine deal? <laughs> Ryan's fresh arugula. It's the pre- it's the fresh- prequel to Ryan's frozen pizzas. I literally add it to everything so that I could write a whole book. <laughs> okay, so nineteen ninety nine, her uh, company Martha Stewart Living Omni Media goes public. That's a huge deal, and I think now we could get to the scandal because that's basically uh, everything that went down for the most part. Because she's done too much to cover it all, but that's like mostly what went down in terms of her career up until the point of the scandal. Okay. Okay, so this scandal has to do with a company called M-Clone Systems. Clones, look, clones coming back into play here. That was quite prescient of you, Rai. Where's the lie? However, this company wasn't into cloning, like literally cloning people or dogs. They were a biopharmaceutical company that developed medicines in the field of oncology. I got lost like five different times in that sentence. It's, it's a pharmaceutical company, basically. Okay. But they would create cancer treatment drugs. Okay. So, this is how the scandal went down. In late 2001, Imclone's stock price dropped significantly because its drug, Herbitux which was an experimental monoclonal antibody. I don't know what that means, but that's what it was. Yeah, like what? It was apparently a big deal. It was, you know, something that they had been working on, and it failed to get approval from the FDA. Okay. So its stock price plummeted. It was later revealed by the SEC, you know, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, that before the announcement which happened after the close of trading on December 28th, many executives sold their stock. And this is before the announcement, right? So they were likely privy to the FDA's decision, right? Right. Their founder, Samuel Waxall, was arrested on June 12th, 2002 on insider trading charges because he instructed his friends and family to sell their stock. And attempted to sell his own. So get this. His daughter, Eliza Waxall, sold $2.5 million in shares on December 27th. This is literally the day before the FDA's announcement. Idiot. His father, Jack Waxall, sold $8.1 million in shares on both the 27th and 28th of December. Dumbass. John Landis, the general counsel to the corporation, sold $2.5 million in shares on December 6th. The vice president of marketing and sales, Ronald Martle, sold $2.1 million in shares on December 11th. So you have a ton of executives. And, and those weren't the only ones. Apparently, there were more executives, at least four others, who were selling shares in the lead up to the December 28th announcement. Okay, so... I feel like you can't be that, like, that's dumb, right? But this happens all the time. It's pretty obvious that you knew something was going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And they got caught. Why do you just rant, like, you're just like, I think randomly today is going to be the day I sell all of my stocks. (laughs) (laughs) And then the next day they just plummet. Everyone's like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. 
I mean, but the thing is, they were desperate. They didn't want to lose out on that money. And so they tried to see if they could swindle the SEC and get away with it. How'd it go? (laughs) Not well. Yeah. Waxall ultimately pleaded guilty to securities fraud and other charges, and he was sentenced to seven years and three months in prison. Sucks. Funnily enough, in February of 2004, Herbitux was approved for use, actually. Oh, damn. Uh, Because it it was actually successful in delaying tumor growth um, by at least 1.5 months, and if it was used in conjunction with other treatments... It could even delay tumor growth by at least four months. So it ultimately ended up being approved. So if these guys just stuck it out, maybe there would have been a bump in stock price at one point. Yeah. Called patience. Patience. That's an important attribute, I think. It's a virtue from what I've heard. It's not a vice? No. Mm. No, no, no. The Waxalls seem to think it was a vice. Well, the Waxalls. I was going to try to do a pun, but I couldn't think of one. The walk Sauls walks... Walk Sauls over their stock prices. I don't know. Keep That's going. actually pretty good. Walks all over their stock prices. That's not bad. <laughs> no, it's not good, but it's not bad, I guess. Um, ultimately, there was a congressional hearing, and it turned out that Imclone had a quote-unquote culture of corruption. So they were actually this corrupt company... Uh, there were instances of forgery dating back to the 80s. They have their own history of scandal, but we want to talk about Martha Stewart's involvement. Honestly, I'm shook at a pharmaceutical company having corruption and being filled with bad people. Shook. Never would have shook. thought it. Never would have thought it. Honestly, the country's most selfless industry has corruption. Shocking. The integrity and ethics that is commonly attributed to the pharmaceutical industry was clearly not evident here. They just want to help people, you guys. You know, those 2,000, 3,000% markups on life-saving drugs, it's all for the good. It's all for the good of the people. It's for the people. You know, like the Waxalls getting uh, multi-million dollar bonuses while they're defrauding people. It's, it's all good. Because think about the tumor that was delayed to a month. Yes, which was unaffordable anyway. I actually, I actually don't know anything about Herbitux, so don't quote me on that. Uh, <laughs> Wasn't going to. <laughs> Let's go to Martha Stewart. Okay, so she became embroiled in this scandal herself. Because... Oh, yeah. I was like, wait, why aren't we talking about someone else? <laughs> like, wait, this isn't an M-Clone podcast? Okay, so what the fuck happened with Martha? Well, it was exposed that her broker, Peter Bakanovich, tipped her off that Imclone stock price was about to drop big time. So with that tip, Martha Stewart herself sold $230,000 of Imclone shares on, do you want to say the date right? You know it. December 27th. December 27th, 2001. A day before the announcement of the FDA decision, of course. Martha... That's not even that much money compared to what she has. 230000 compared to the millions and millions and billions of dollars that she has. She was literally a billionaire. I feel like you can just like take the loss, take the L, and you'll be fine, Martha. Wait, are you ready for this? 
She would she wouldn't have lost two hundred thirty thousand. She only would have lost about forty five thousand dollars if she had waited until that information was publicly disclosed and traded her shares. Pocket change, Martha. That's literally a five dollar bill to you and me for yeah. for a Martha. Yeah. But Damn she wanted to save that forty five grand. It's like the greedy only get greedier, you know. I mean. In her defense, home appliances are super expensive. Okay. Write another fucking subplot of the wedding planner, honey, and you'll make the 45 back. <laughs> what would that be called? Like, maybe something involving bridesmaids and, and groomsmen? Like a gra- bi- bridesmaid and groomsmen tip book or something? Yeah, like, I don't know, reception. Just about the reception of the wedding. There are so many ways you could go with this, Martha. You clearly have a knack for extracting any singular niche thing for as much content as possible. Yeah, like, let's just forget her first book ever, Entertaining. It's like literally a noun. (laughs) She went from the most broad subject ever to like, I'm going to give you a book just about how to create a menu for quick cooking. Not even just regular menus, like quick cooking menus. It has to be quick cooks. Quick quick cooks is such a weird phrase that I love saying. Quick cooks. Quick cooks. <laughs> so, in June of 2002, as uh, M. Clone is starting to be exposed, uh, the founder, uh, Sam Waxall, is being charged himself. Martha Stewart is starting to receive heat for illegally profiting off of insider information on june 23rd 2002 there was a newsweek cover headlined martha's mess on june 25th she was doing her regular segment on the early show like i said she she had her own show but then she was going on other shows and cbs anchor jane clayson was just grilling her peppering her with questions about the insider trading (laughs) apparently martha stewart just continued chopping cabbage and responded i want to focus on my salad Jesus That is my new catchphrase I just want to focus on my salad Thank you If anyone ever asks me a question I just want to focus on my arugula Um, In case you haven't heard I'm currently sprinkling fresh arugula On a frozen pizza I'd like to focus on that In August of 2002 Martha Stewart's company Remember Her company Omnimedia Martha Stewart living Omnimedia very long name, by the way. Too long, Martha. That was a publicly traded company. So obviously, in response to all this drama, her company stock is plunging to an all-time low. It actually peaked at one point at uh, over $20 in the year leading up to the scandal. It was like at $20.93. And after the scandal... It dropped to $6.78. This is within one year. Actually, six months. This was within uh, five months. <laughs> so okay, it's so- dropping from 21 bucks to $6, basically. And Martha Stewart herself owned 30.7 million shares, 67% of that stock. So her wealth, her net worth, it's not liquid. She doesn't have yep. cash piling up. It's tied into Martha Stewart living on media stock. Yeah. Stocks are so crazy, you guys. I just like... 
it's like the more I learn about stocks, I'm just like, is money real? Like, does any, our entire economy is like built around stuff that doesn't exist. I don't know. Wake up America. (laughs) (laughs) I was reading an article about how, um, 84% of stocks are owned by the top 10%. So a lot of the wealth generated in the stock market is only being generated for very few people because a lot of regular people don't own stock or they do own stock, but they don't own a lot of stock. So it's like very wealthy people. They don't just have like 10 shares in Intel, right? Or they don't just have like 10 shares in Apple. They have hundreds of shares. So this isn't like how many percentage of people own stock because it's like 50%, around 50% of people like have some stock somewhere. Um, But the amount of stock it's 84% belong to just 10% of people. So when you see those huge stock market gains, it's not like everyone's getting rich. It's a few people getting super wealthy. Like, do you own stock yourself? I do. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Let's not get into like some insider trading bullshit because like, I think like talking about it on a, on a podcast, I don't know. I'm scared. SEC, don't come after us. I know. I feel like Martha Stewart's like at my door. Like, ha ha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, so we're not going to divulge our positions but we both have positions, okay? I don't know why Martha Stewart's the one like arresting people now for insider trading, but well, I'm going to tell you who handcuffed Martha Stewart. Oh my god, um, the guy you know? Yes. <laughs> so, um Martha Stewart, you should know this was a long-time friend of Waxall. Not great. Yeah, sucks. Here's another ironic tidbit. Martha Stewart actually was on the board of directors of the New York Stock Exchange. They have a board of directors? Yeah. So she was literally on the board of directors of the stock exchange itself. (laughs) So she probably should know what's legal and what's not. You would think? So on October 2002, she had to resign her position on the board. Makes sense. According to the SEC press release on June 4th, 2003, this is when Martha Stewart was officially charged and indicted. This was their breakdown. This is the SEC's official breakdown on their press release. It goes into how Imclone was awaiting the decision of the FDA on whether Urbitux was approved, right? Yeah. Now, Bakanovich... His inside tip was that the CEO, Sam Waxall, and the daughter had just placed orders to sell all the Imclone stock that they held at Merrill Lynch. So this is because Waxall had secretly known that the FDA was going to reject the Herbitux application. So that's why Waxall is making the moves that he is making because he already knew their decision even though it wasn't publicly announced. Right. And this was another shady element. Waxall trying to sell his shares were actually confidential under Merrill Lynch policies. So then other people weren't aware that he's trying to do this huge sell-off, which is shady because that could affect, obviously, public perception of your stock. And people didn't know until after closing on the 28th. But if people were aware of Waxall trying to sell off all his stock that could change things for a lot of people and people maybe don't lose as much money. But this is apparently, this was a a rule under Merrill Lynch's policies, but still, the dude is being obviously not only shady, he's 
doing something illegal. Yeah, like, he he knew what he was doing. Let's just call it what it is. And, and the SEC ex- itself explains that if it was publicly disco- disclosed that he was trying to sell off his stock, then obviously that signals pessimism within the company, that internally the company obviously isn't evaluating itself well because the CEO himself is selling off all his stock. Right. If the CEO is not, not on board, then why would anyone else be? Exactly. But it wasn't known publicly. Now, the SEC claims at this time, June 4th, 2003, this is before the trial, that the, during the morning of December 27, 2001, Bakanovich told his assistant, Douglas Fanuel, to tell Stewart that Waxall and his daughter were selling off their stock that were held in their Merrill Lynch accounts. So during a subsequent phone call, Martha Stewart instructed Fanuel to sell all 3,928 shares of her Imclone stock, which amounted to essentially $230,000. Once again, pocket change. Uh, According to the uh, SEC, um, by selling at the moment Martha Stewart did, she avoided losses of exactly $45,673. Idiot. The SEC also alleged that Martha Stewart and Bakanovich went on to lie to the SEC and criminal authorities when they were questioned about the facts surrounding her sale of Imclone stocks. They, according to the SEC, created a false alibi for Martha Stewart's trades, saying that her and Bakanovich had earlier set a line at $60 for Bakanovich to sell the Imclone stock if her stock fell below that line. A stop is called, I believe it's called a stop loss. So she had set that at $60 according to Stewart. And so if it ever went below, then that would signal the broker to immediately sell. Yeah. Okay. However, Makes- this wasn't the case. Yeah. At least according to the SEC. I mean, it's all fucking complicated. <laughs> this is one of our mo- more technical podcasts. Yeah, like... I, like, get it, but I'm also, like, I feel like the whole thing could have been avoided, Martha. Like, I get why the, um, like, CEO and the Waxalls and, like, all those people were selling it because they had a lot more, um, like, stake in it. But, like, also they, it's so obvious that they knew, like, knew what was going on. Martha, on the other hand, I'm like, girl, like, this was not worth it. 45 grand, Rye. Like, look, I don't have forty-five grand laying around either, Martha. But Martha does. <laughs> At the time, she really did, um, and so still to this day, honestly. Yeah, I'm sure she still maybe has forty-five thousand dollars. So I'm like, it just doesn't. It just seems seems a little too much trouble for what it was, for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You, you think? <laughs> <laughs> so um, the Justice Department ultimately decided not to charge her with insider trading because it's hard to prove. However, because of the lies, she is going to be charged. And they are also claiming, the government that is, that those false statements to the government constitute securities fraud because they help to maintain the share values of Martha Stewart's own company, Martha Stewart Living Omnimedia. Hate that name still. Still hate it. 
But basically, all of the criminal charges stem from the claim that Martha Stewart lied. Yeah. So it's it becomes less about the insider trading and more about the cover-up. I mean, once again, avoidable. Could have been avoided. At the time, analysts are saying that the case essentially rests on the testimony of Bakanovich's assistant, Douglas Fanwell, because he already entered a plea agreement. He pleads guilty to, to a misdemeanor charge, but he gets that plea deal because he agreed to testify against Bakanovich and Martha Stewart. Yeah. I mean, hey, at this point, got to look out for yourself. Yeah. And his testimony was crucial because he said that there was no stop loss order at $60 because that's the whole claim is that it, it just was a coincidence because yeah. the stock price fell below 60 that day. And so we had to sell off immediately because that's where the stop loss order is at. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. But it wasn't there. And apparently, Martha Stewart's involvement would have never even been brought to the attention of the Justice Department if Doug Fanwell didn't disclose it to investigators. So trying to like get his own ass covered, <laughs> he's like, wait, I could, I could get you Martha Stewart. He's like, y'all know Martha Stewart? She ain't as wholesome as you think, honey. <laughs> He's like, I could give you a big fish. You you heard of the writer of Quick Cook Menus? Yeah, I could Have get you guys her heard for of quick you. Cooks or Quick Cook Menus or entertaining or weddings <laughs> or wedding the wedding planner. They're like, you're just saying words now. He's like, yeah, but they're also the name of books. <laughs> so after the federal grand jury indicted Martha Stewart and Peter Bogdanovich on uh, nine criminal counts. Martha Stewart's lawyer, Robert Moore Velo, and Jack Teague had this to say. Martha Stewart has done nothing wrong. They go on to say that Martha Stewart was being used as a quote-unquote test case to see how the Justice Department and the SEC could expand the boundaries of what is illegal on Wall Street. They also claimed that prosecutors were actually just using Martha Stewart to divert attention away from the non-prosecution of Enron's Kenneth Lay and WorldCom's Bernie Ebers. Everyone knows the Enron scandal, right? And if you don't, check out the documentary, The Smartest Guys in the Room. This is one of the most egregious examples of corporate fraud in American history. So at the time, there was a lot of people angry over the way that the government was handling Enron. So Apparently, Martha Stewart, according to her attorneys, was being basically used as a shield. Like, let's just, let's throw her out there. Everyone, this is going to be a big story. Everyone's going to focus on Martha Stewart, and they'll stop talking about Enron. I mean, Martha Stewart, in my opinion, is more interesting than Enron. Enron's pretty interesting. I actually did a whole project on Enron back in high school. They, that's a story. I may even do it. I know there's no, like, real celebrities, but, like, all those guys, like... Andrew, I think Andrew Fastow and Kenneth Lay, those guys were corrupt. I don't even know what it is. <sighs> Their energy corporation, they did some terrible things, even impacted California specifically. Energy out outage in California, Enron propagated that for their own gains. Crazy stuff. They, they're one of the worst companies in history, led to a lot of people losing their livelihoods. Um... However, a Manhattan U.S. attorney who was heavily involved in this case um, had this to say, and I actually think you know him. You know who this is. You don't know him personally, but you know who this is. 
You don't, I don't know him personally. Like you know personally, the FBI agent. He he. This this individual who was a Manhattan U.S. attorney at the time is was actually one of the most significant political figures of 2016. Also director of the FBI. Okay. Huh? James Comey. Jim Comey. Oh, isn't he... He got, like, fired or something. <laughs> yes, yes. There's a whole drama with Jim Comey. We won't get into that. But Jim Comey had this to say. Martha Stewart is being prosecuted not because of who she is, but because of what she did. The case is about lying. Lying to the FBI, lying to the SEC, and lying to investors. It's a tragedy that could have been prevented if these two people had done what parents have told their children to do for eons. If you're in a tight spot, lying is not the way out. What the fuck? My parents never said that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh, who are your parents, Jim Comey? Jim Comey, don't like stereotype parents just because yours are fucking weird and tell you that when you're a child. Okay, I'm going to bust out the prop now, Rye. You ready for this? Oh, God, I forgot about the prop. Oh, my God, I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> so the special agent at the FBI, who was a white-collar crime coordinator, David Chavez, he was the one who actually handcuffed Martha Stewart. And this is the guy you know. What the fuck? I'm, I'm showing him a business card. <laughs> You've just kept this guy's business card for years on end in hopes that you'd be able to pull it out one day on a audio podcast. I knew. <laughs> that no one, no one else can even see it. <laughs> I just wanted to get your reaction. Yeah, I actually, I knew back in October of 2015 that one day I'd be doing a podcast and I'd need this prop. This physical prop that nobody can see, but they can hear our reactions to. It's a piece of paper. Well, it's not a piece of paper. It's cardstock. Okay, it's cardstock, whatever. But yeah, that's how an FBI yeah, agent's uh, business card look like. looks like. That's pretty cool, actually. It seems, it seems legit. Should I, should I email him right now and see what he has to say? Be like, hey. <laughs> so I know you're doing like really important stuff with like the FBI, but I have a podcast <laughs> and we actually mentioned you on it. <laughs> Um, would love to get you on. <laughs> he talked about Martha Stewart during his talk on insider trading. Of course he did. How could you not? It's his claim to fame, honey. So Stewart gave a press release at the time, and she said, quote, I love this company, its people, and everything it stands for, and I am stepping aside because it is the right thing to do. So she had to step out, obviously. As chair chairman, she was no longer CEO, because obviously she's embroiled in all the scandal. She's also like literally in prison. She was not in prison yet, but she would go to prison. Here's more on the financial state during the scandal. So her, her own company's revenues dropped significantly. I already brought up the uh, stock price fall. Martha Stewart told the New Yorker in, in January that she had lost 400 million dollars because of a combination of the company's declining value, legal fees, and lost business opportunities. So her net worth dropped basically 400 million dollars. She's still probably super rich though. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so but, but who Martha? <laughs> uh she of course pleaded not guilty. Damn. Ballsy. <laughs> Apparently, they tried to reach a plea agreement. Didn't work out. I don't get that. Let's go to Martha Stewart's popularity at the time. So, I found this Gallup poll. I thought it was we pretty love, interesting. We love a Gallup poll. 
We we famously do Gallup polls on this podcast. I don't think we've ever done one. <laughs> That's the point. Um, so at the time, two weeks after the indictment, June 23rd, 2003, 29% of Americans were very unsympathetic towards her. And 32% were somewhat unsympathetic. Only 6% of Americans were very sympathetic. So a combined 61% of the American people were actually unsympathetic to Martha Stewart's situation. I mean, I get it. It just all comes back to what your parents told you growing up. Just kidding. But like, (laughs) if you didn't lie... Like, it would have been fine. And, like, it was so small amounts of money. That was not English. But, like, it was not a lot of money, honey. Ooh, that rhymes. I like that. Thank you. I'm on Broadway. Um, I'm just like, girl, you ended up losing $400 million. All for, what, 45000 One number seems bigger than the other, in my opinion. That's actually a great point. I hadn't actually thought of... I hadn't framed it that way in my mind. But it's like, to save $45,000... She risked a ton of money and ultimately lost at least four hundred million dollars. And actually, that's just at that point she ultimately loses a lot more. But it has to—you have to assess it via risk, right? Like, what's the risk and what's the reward? Okay, the reward is forty-five thousand. What's the risk? A two billion dollar empire. Okay, I'm gonna swallow the forty-five here, and I'm not gonna yeah. risk being caught because you can't trust that Douglas dude, that Douglas dude that outed you to investigators. Like, that was basically the linchpin right there. It's all Douglas's fault, actually, and this, at this point. So uh, there was one piece of good news for Martha Stewart in that Gallup poll. 43% of people who responded to the Gallup poll said that they actually purchased Martha Stewart products. That's actually a high amount. Like after the charges, they were like still buying her shit? Well, before the charges. Now, mm-hmm. 78% of those people said that they are not less likely to buy her products now. So they will continue to buy her products at the same rate despite the charges. So only 22%, which it's it's probably a big number there, but like still like four out of five consumers she's retaining despite a huge scandal. Yeah. I mean, hey, if you like a product, you like a product, you know? Exactly. It's all about the product. I'm not going to stop buying... I don't know. I can't think of a product I would have, but I don't know. It's like she didn't like she didn't like steal from you, really. You know, like she's not like stealing from her consumers. She's just being shady. Exactly. So it's like well, she didn't really hurt her consumers. So why would they stop buying it? Pre-scandal, her unfavorability rating was sixteen percent. It jumped to thirty-nine percent post-scandal. So it doubled. But I'm also wondering, like. Why was it even 16%? Like, but maybe maybe she was annoying, like you said earlier. Like, it's kind of annoying to just see her everywhere. So you're like, I don't really like this lady who's everywhere. Yeah. Like, I don't actually ever not like Martha Stewart, but I'm just like, she's annoying. On January 20th, 2004, her trial began in New York City. During the trial, Martha Stewart maintained her innocence. And on... February 27th, 2004, the judge, Judge Cederbaum, dismissed the charges of securities fraud. And that was a serious charge because that could have led to 10 years in prison and a million dollar fine. The judge said, 
that, quote, no reasonable juror can find beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant lied for the purpose of influencing the market for the securities of her own company. So that that was that specific charge that we talked about earlier, that what was she lying to manipulate the shares of Omnimedia? They said they couldn't prove that beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> you know, if we were jurors, we'd agree. I would have to stand by that decision as a juror. After the five-week trial, the jury deliberated for three days. And she was found guilty on all four remaining counts. That includes conspiracy, obstruction of justice, and two counts of making false statements to a federal investigator. So essentially, three of those counts are about lying. And one is conspiracy, which she was always going to be hit with because it was a conspiracy. Yeah. But if she just if she just never lied and just came clean, who knows? Maybe she could have gone off with with a misdemeanor or something like uh Douglas did. Yeah. Oh, God, if only she had Jim Comey's parents, this would have all been avoided. Ugh, oh, Jim Comey's parents, they are just they are they are the they are the the pinnacle of parenting. Right. Meanwhile, Frickin' Martha Stewart's parents are letting her babysit children at 10, 10 years old, whereas Jim Comey's parents are telling his kid not to lie. Didn't Jim Comey end up getting, like, fired for lying? I don't know what happened. <laughs> no, he got fired for continuing the Russia investigation. Uh, same thing. <laughs> um, Martha Stewart said after her conviction... She said, quote, I can't tell you how much I appreciate all the words of encouragement I have received from thousands of supporters. It is your continued support that will keep me going until I am completely exonerated. She wanted to appeal, actually. I'll get into that. Uh, but each one of those counts against Martha Stewart carried a maximum prison sentence of five years. So she was basically facing 20 years in prison at the time. Damn. A juror for the case, Chapel Hartridge. Shout out, Chapel. That's a weird name. Said, quote, maybe it's a victory for the little guys who lose money in the market because of these kinds of transactions. Yeah, you get them, Chapel. <laughs> chapel for the people. Again, Martha Stewart's attorneys were complaining that she, Martha Stewart was only charged because of who she was and not what she did. And they were pointing out consistently throughout the trial that she, was, she wasn't even charged criminally with the underlying crime, which was criminal insider trading. She was only ever charged with lying about the reasons for her selling the shares. So they're like, wait, the reason why she would lie is to cover up this crime, but you're not even charging her with that very crime. Yeah. But they still said she lied. A lie is a lie, honey. It doesn't matter what it's about. <laughs> she obstructed justice. She obstructed justice. <laughs> <laughs> um, very Reese Witherspoon of her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very, very, very Reese. I'm obstructing your justice. <laughs> um, she also posted a message on her website saying, I'm obviously distressed by the jury's ver verdict, but I continue to take comfort in knowing I have the confidence and enduring support of my family and friends. I will appeal the verdict and continue to fight to clear my name. I believe in the fairness of the judicial system and remain confident 
that I will ultimately prevail. Why did it? Why did you make it seem like she's like running for president? Oh, I because like she was at the time. Uh, Martha for president, honey. <laughs> um, she actually wasn't people. <laughs> Once again, Armin makes a joke. Would hate to have. Would hate to have message boards get up in an uproar about it <laughs> clarifying the bits that always Just makes for a good bit a doesn't it <laughs> this is a comedy podcast okay it's a joke uh on july 8th a motion for a new trial was denied it sucks so sentencing was set for july 16th and on july 16th 2004 she was sentenced to five months in prison five months of home confinement and two years probation Hey, at least her home confinement's going to be luxurious because she's freaking famous for making good things at home. Exactly. And actually, that's going to come <laughs> come back into play uh, during her prison stay. Not just her home confinement, but her prison stay as well. I'll get into that. Wasn't she like, wasn't she like cooking for people and stuff in prison? <laughs> I can't wait to get into that. <laughs> so if you want to know what happened to Bakanovich, her broker, uh, also sentenced to five months in prison, five months of home confinement, However, Martha Stewart was ordered to pay a $30,000 fine. Bakanovich was fined $4,000. It wasn't a huge punishment. Yeah. Right? It was more of a public shaming punishment than like a prison sentence punishment, I feel. Like, it, it, I feel like her punishment was like it um, like defamed her image. Right. More than like, oh, she had to go to jail for five months. Like, whatever. We've all had to do that. <laughs> We've all been there, done that. <laughs> it's not that bad. At least you're not publicly shamed like she was. On uh, September 15th, Martha Stewart held a press conference that was actually featured live on national television. National television? National, not local. Not even just local news? Damn, Martha. You know you're big when you get past the local stuff. <laughs> and this is how big of a story it was. Just We like to kind of refer to the context of the times, right? This was such a big story that it wasn't yep. just like another person doing insider trading uh, and, and getting hit with a charge, which may end up in the local news, right? But it's right. not going to be national news unless it's Martha Stewart or a Bernie Madoff. <laughs> just those two. <laughs> Anything else local? Keep it, keep it to yourselves, honey. Literally, I, only I, ever I, been those two. I can't stop honeying everyone. I'm loving the honeying. Honey. So, at that press conference, she announced that she would begin serving her prison sentence ASAP, while vowing to continue ahead with the appeal. It seems a little redundant, like appealing something that you're already doing. I, I think she just wanted that charge, that felony, to be off her record. Fair. She's like, let me move forward with my life, but I don't want the, f the felony still on my record. In fact, I actually read a story. I'm not going to get into this in the aftermath, but apparently Pres like Trump is thinking about pardoning her. But we're not going to get into that, but just to get it off her record, I guess. Yeah, okay, Martha, get over it. It's on there. No one's like checking Martha Stewart's criminal record anymore. Like, <laughs> She's not like applying for jobs. <laughs> Martha Stewart can't get a job at like her local crate and barrel. Her like, I'm so, I know home appliances, I'm telling you. I know I have four felony charges here, but I can sell home appliances. Trust me, I have multiple books about things. Okay, I know I'm a felon, but it's fine. I can okay, give you an like exclusivity deal. You could sell Martha Stewart's Quick Cooks menus here at Crate and Barrel only. That's a tongue twister in itself. Quick Cooks menus at Crate and Barrel. 
Do you think Martha's more of like a Creighton Barrel person or a Pottery Barn? I feel like Pier 1. Pier 1. Yes. Yeah. Fuck. Which, like, girl, same. <laughs> yeah, she's a Pier 1. You're right. Anyway, Martha Stewart goes to prison. Let's Damn. get into that. Yeah. So, <laughs> there was a whole drama about which prison she would go to. I remember that. So, um, she did not want to serve her time at the... Um, federal prison camp in alderson west virginia don't blame her she wanted to go to prison in either connecticut or florida okay uh, apparently it's because all the alderson and western west virginia prison camp was in a super remote location and her lawyer argued that because it was so remote martha stewart's 90 year old mother at the time wouldn't be able to visit okay <laughs> so the judge um, actually recommended that she be given her first choice, which was a Danbury. However, um, the Justice Department argued that the media had too much accessibility to that facility, and they didn't want to make a whole show about it. Okay, well then don't make it freaking national news then. <laughs> and then the Florida prison... Coleman, that was unavailable because of complications with Hurricane Ivan at the time. Ah, it's always the hurricane. So Martha Stewart ultimately had to go to Alderson. Which is the remote one. This, that's the remote one in West Virginia. All right, look, I don't think your 90-year-old mother should be going to visit you in prison anyway. Like, that's a little much for an old elderly woman. Like oh, the stress of it all, right? The stress of it all. She has to walk through the security thing, I would assume. <laughs> um, a spokesperson actually said at the time that he was concerned. A spokesperson for the Bureau of Prisons, the BOP, apparently said that he was concerned that the assignment to Alderson could be perceived as being vindictive, but it was the only thing they could do. And Martha Stewart's daughter, Alexis, said that she believed that the BOP was, quote, making a point of sending her far away. So there was kind of a lot of drama in terms of like where she would actually serve her sentence before she even got there. Yeah. She reported to Alderson Federal Prison Camp the morning of October 8th. Now here's the thing. Alderson is a minimum security prison. It's the lowest level of security in the, in the Bureau of Prisons. There are no fences. Inmates are free to walk around the compound unescorted. So it's generally a chill time, I guess. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I mean, it's probably tough. But, you know, it's, it's, it's the lowest security prison at the BOP. I mean, it's like a camp. I mean, it's called prison camp. <laughs> it's basically summer camp. I know this is... No, I'm not going to say it. But I'm going to say it. I feel like sometimes, like, rich people prisons are, like, nice. Well, they call it club fed. Yeah. Like, they you get work to, on like, your tennis game. Yeah, I'm like, they get to play tennis. I feel like there's a pool. I'm like, I wouldn't mind, but I'm not rich enough to go. <laughs> it's like, what a sad world we live in where it's like, we are struggling like so hard in certain ways, I guess you could say, that we're like pining for club fed. I'm just saying like, sometimes life can get really stressful and paying bills and like going to work and doing all that stuff. It would be nice to get a little bit of a break. Should we commit a white collar crime, right? I don't know how to, but I could figure it out. Should we call David Chavez? 
I literally have his phone number. We can ask him how we could commit a white collar crime. Put the card down. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I no, not to make light of going to prison. But, yeah, of course, of course. But a little bit to make light of it. Stewart, Martha Stewart said that her prison nickname was M. Diddy. Oh, God. Why? I don't know, but she was called M. Diddy, and she was apparently quite popular. She got along really well with her fellow inmates, and she kept herself busy with a lot of cleaning tasks. Mm. She even took a job and became an informal liaison between administration and fellow inmates. So, you know, like somebody to be a a sort of mentor, to act as a guide, you know, because sometimes it's hard to talk to authority. So she's like, I'll be your informal liaison. Yeah. So it's literally summer camp. Okay, got it. (laughs) Um, So how did, how did Martha Stewart pass the time though, right? You may ask that. Are you asking that? You took the words right out of my mouth. Martha Stewart in 2016 told an audience at the Can Lions Advertising Festival that the prison food was unacceptable, basically inedible. Shocking. So she would pick crab apples from the trees at prison and she would make jam out of it. Jesus Christ. But that wasn't the only thing she did, right? So she was serving a five-month sentence starting in October. So, of course, she was there over the holidays, right? Yeah. So... She undertook this major decorative project, apparently, that she said had her staying up all night. However, this this project actually violated prison policy. (laughs) So they're only allowed, apparently the prisoners at Alderson were only allowed to make three things a year. They were only allowed like three crafts a year. (laughs) I love that there's like a rule for that. You get three things. (laughs) Which, like, I don't get, like there's so much time like allow them to like yeah. explore the arts right that'd be great and also just like the general like thing like you can only have three things so martha though wanted to create the entire scene of nativity for the holidays okay see this is what i'm saying with martha stewart's kind of annoying <laughs> it's like girl just like just be in prison like i don't know why you have to do like the whole fucking like production but right you gotta pass the time yeah, you do gotta pass the time. Did anyone ask for a full nativity scene? Doubt it. No, no literally nobody asked for it, actually. She wanted and also to be that's, <laughs> that's also more than three things. Oh, yeah. She made over 15 things. That's five times the amount of things that you're allowed. The way she argued it. She had to argue, right? She actually... The, the way she talks about it, she says that they fell for her argument. So she's talking about deceiving correctional officers okay i can't with this girl (laughs) her argument was that a a nativity scene is a singular object is a singular figure even though there are individual pieces within a nativity scene it's actually one only one thing she was only making one thing not three she's like i actually have two more things after this that i'm allowed They're like, oh, fucking Jesus. Okay. And she said, it's because you couldn't just make three camels. You had to make everything. So she made this huge nativity scene, 15 plus figures. And that's what she, she that, was, that took on a lot of her time. She also gave ceramics lessons while in prison. What was she making these things out of? Ceramics? 
I guess. Okay, this is so extra. Where do they put it? Like, where's the scene? It was in the rec hall. I don't know. <laughs> in the what's the dining hall called? The the dining hall. Oh, um, yeah, <laughs> in the middle of the fucking dining hall. <laughs> the hall, mess hall, out of camp. The mess Ooh, hall. mess hall. Yes, 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 mess hall. Okay, so bitch is like making arts and crafts, just left and right, breaking the rules, living her dream. Exactly. And apparently, she ultimately mailed home the ceramic nativity scene to her family. (laughs) And it's become an iconic signature piece for the whole Stewart family every single year. And people will visit her and go to her home and people will ask her, according to her, quote, where did you get that from? And then she'll say, my prison number is on it still. Yeah, I'm like, just if you want to remind yourself of your time in prison every holiday, it's a perfect way to do it. Now, here's the thing. In a 2007 interview, she said, quote, it was horrifying and no one, no one should have to go through that kind of indignity, except for murderers. And there are a few other categories. Stop. But no one should have to go through that. It's a very... Very awful thing. She also said that she didn't like being separated from her family or, quote, being maligned, especially when one does not feel one deserves such a thing. I mean, I was not a bad person. So it's interesting because she kind of vacillates between these, like, funny anecdotes where she kind of makes light of it, but then she sometimes describes how it was a horrifying experience for her. I love that she's like, absolutely no one, but, like, murders, and then, like, a couple people, but no one. I'm like, what? It goes from no one to, like, murderers, and then, like, and a few other categories. It's like, ultimately, it's like, well, you know, other people who commit insider trading, yes, yes, they, but I, see, I'm not a bad person, so I I shouldn't have gone through that indignity. I love how she, like, just gets to decide who goes to jail now. (laughs) Well, ultimately, that's what she would do. She would become the uh, decision maker on prison sentencing and uh, the ultimate judge, jury, and executioner. The CEO of prison decisions. <laughs> prison decisions. I'm all about the rhymes today, honey. Honey. <laughs> I never say honey this much. Like, why is it keeps it, like, happening? You know why? Because we're talking about, like, home ec, and honey is an essential ingredient in a lot of delicious dishes. Mm, absolutely. That must be it. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. On March 4th, 2005, Martha Stewart was released from Alderson at 12.30 a.m. And actually, this is kind of funny to me because 12.30 a.m.? Like, that's early. Yeah, it's just like the, they're like middle of the night in the middle of like West Virginia. They're like, all right, go. <laughs> they shake her. Wake up. <laughs> She's just lost in the woods. <laughs> she has no ride home. Nobody wants to pick her up at one in the morning. Her 90-year-old mom can't make it. She's just like, well, fuck, I guess I'll just hitchhike home. Which is also illegal. Martha Stewart just can't stop doing illegal things. I know. And she didn't even, she still had two things left to make in prison. She's like, send me back. I didn't make my three things. (laughs) She's like, I need the materials. I need that ceramic material to complete my full vision of the nativity scene. Or rather, I guess, compliments to the nativity scene. Because the nativity scene is one thing. Only one thing. That's such a cheat. You could literally just keep adding to it forever and ever and just be like, that's my one thing. Yeah, but there was also, like, a set amount of things at a nativity scene. You can't just, like, rewrite 
biblical history and start adding shit to it. Suddenly she starts like adding like Martha Stewart figurines. You don't understand. I would have been at the nativity scene if I were alive. She's like, no, I was busy that day, but um, <laughs> normally it would have been me. <laughs> That's Bakanovich right there. That's the moment he called me and told tip me off. The nativity scene of my crimes. <laughs> so after being released from Alderson, Martha Stewart began her home confinement at her estate in Bedford, New York. During her confinement, she was permitted to leave the property for up to 48 hours a week to conduct business, but she was required to wear an electronic ankle monitor, so her location was monitored at all times. And then she was placed on a two-year term of supervised release. So this is after her home confinement ended. And she was required to remain employed and not to associate with people with criminal records. And in addition, she was actually required to receive permission from federal officials if she was going to leave the district of the uh, Southern District of New York. Damn, that sucks. And the saga kind of like officially ends on January 6th, 2006. So this is like basically nine months later a federal appeals court denied her appeal and upheld the verdict. So she needs a pardon now from a president. So if she wants it completely off her record. It's so important that this happens for her. I really, really hope that she figures it out. (laughs) Just like every president for the, until, you know, for the rest of time. Yeah, exactly. Can you please pardon me? I like really don't want this on my record. It's like uh, the Holly Chick podcast is official record, Martha. It's over. I'm it's like, done. It's is, here. This is ingrained in history, honey. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, okay, some of the consequences, and, the, and then we'll get into the aftermath. Um, but the consequences of these charges spanned pretty far and wide, right? So, for one, Viacom pulled her show, Martha Stewart Living. And... Then she also had to obviously resign from the board, which we talked about earlier. She had already resigned from the board of the New York Stock Exchange before the indictment. And then she actually like dealt with a lot of travel issues during this time, even after she left prison. So in October 2005, because of her status as a convicted felon, she wasn't admissible for entry into Canada under the Immigration and Refugee Protection Act. Why was she trying to go to Canada, huh? She wanted to attend the Windsor Pumpkin Regatta in Nova Scotia. I fucking hate that. She shouldn't be allowed to go to that. So within two days of that story breaking, and it became this whole story, the Canadian Minister of Citizenship and Immigration, Joe Volpe, actually granted Martha Stewart a temporary resident permit, which allowed her to enter Canada. So there was like all this drama, and then... (laughs) Canada's just like, you know, fuck it. Fuck you guys. Let her in. No, guess what? Bad weather prevented her from attending. Stop. So all that fucking drama to attend the Windsor Pumpkin Regatta. And she doesn't even go. Honestly, the fucking a pumpkin regatta should not even exist in general. So bad weather should stop everyone from attending that. What the fuck is a pumpkin regatta? Isn't regattas like for sailing? Like sailboats? But what, what's the pumpkin? What's the pumpkin? That's regatta? what I'm saying. I'm like, are they racing pu- fucking pumpkins around a lake? Like, I don't know. And why is Martha Stewart going to it? I feel like that has to be its own Holly Shook. So I'll, I'll save the research for another day on that. Pumpkin regatta. Pumpkin Jesus. regatta gate. And then she actually was 
not granted a visa to enter the UK because of her criminal conviction. She was actually going to speak at the Royal Academy on fashion and leisure industry. (laughs) And she wasn't allowed to go. On what? Like, how to be comfortable in your prison jumpsuit? Exactly. I'm thinking leisurely outfits. <laughs> no, that, that's like leisure industry. Because that, that doesn't have to do with, like, outfits necessarily. It's just, like, there's fat, the fashion element of that, but there's also the leisure element. So it's, like, being fashion and being leisurely. Leisurely, I yeah. think they're, like, two separate things. Okay. But they, like, Sorry. tie together. Sorry for the mistake. Yeah, yeah. So you're, like, you're high fashion, but then you're also, like you know, sitting on like a super comfortable chair. Mm -hmm. Sounds like my day-to-day life. (laughs) And then in August of 2006, the SEC announced that they settled the civil case that was levied against Martha Stewart. Uh, In the settlement, Martha Stewart agreed to a five-year ban from serving as a director or as the CEO, CFO of any public company. She also couldn't serve in other officer roles, Um, She couldn't handle any finances, right? Okay. She also agreed to pay the maximum penalty, which was three times the losses she avoided, which amounted to $195,000. Bakanovich paid penalties totaling $75,000. So he got off pretty easy compared to her. He did. He did, I guess. Um, On September 27th, 2011, Martha Stewart's five-year ban was lifted. Yes, Martha. So she was allowed to serve as the director of a public company. So that very day, she was immediately brought back into Martha Stewart Living Omni Media. Yes, Martha Stewart Living Omni Media. <laughs> uh, quote, I am very excited to rejoin the board and I, took, I, and I look forward to working with the management of Martha Stewart Living Omni Media and the members of the board as the company develops and grows our exceptional businesses for today's consumers and those of tomorrow. We have created an amazingly strong brand and brand loyalty and we at- intend to make each of our businesses match the strengths of that brand. So she had ultimately been away from that post for seven and a half years but the moment she was allowed to rejoin she rejoined good for her honestly she deserves that in terms of current projects like martha stewart kind of just jumped right back in um she ultimately did return to daytime television with the martha stewart show and then she actually did an adapted version of the apprentice called the apprentice martha stewart what in october 2005 martha stewart released a book called Martha Rules. Jesus. Inspiration for Vanderpump Rules. Yeah, I was like, where? what's the prequel to that? <laughs> that that is the fu- That's the fucking original Vanderpump Rules is the sequel. Oh, that checks out. Uh, in October 2006, she released a, another book called Martha Stewart's Homekeeping ha- Handbook. Okay. And she just got back on her grind. She started contributing to the Today Show again. Um, her talk show was nominated for um, six categories in the Daytime Emmy Awards in 2006, including Best Host and Best Show. And she's just been doing her thing ever since, just like not as prolifically, or maybe she's still prolific in terms of like the quantity. But the success obviously is nowhere near the pre-scandal days. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure you've heard that she launched the show with Snoop Dogg. 
Yes, they're like best friends. I love it. Yeah, that's a show on VH1 called Martha and Snoop's Potluck Dinner Party. And that's like a show, obviously, where they cook and they have games and they even have like musical guests and whatnot. I've never watched it. I've seen like little clips here and there. Um, But that premiered in the fall of 2016. And, you know, Martha Stewart's just being Martha Stewart. She's just being felon Martha Stewart, just living her true felon life. Can't go to the UK to give talks on leisure, but she can be granted permission to go to Canada for the regatta. But God forbid there's a rainstorm because she's not going to make it. She won't make it. She'll, you know, go through all that trouble, but won't show. She famously hates rain. (laughs) Famously. I mean, that's why she wanted out of West Virginia, wanted to go to Florida. Great. Fuck the rain. So, uh, as if Florida doesn't rain. (laughs) It's a different kind of rain. Yeah, exactly. So, right. That's pretty much it. I mean, there's a lot of Martha Stewart details I could get into. That's like pretty much it. Four hours later. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so I love it. I mean, good for her. I feel like she didn't... She doesn't have a bad rep from it. Like, it's not a scandal that, like, made people hate her. I feel like it just, like, her career took a hit. But, like, it's not like... Like, you bring up Martha Stewart and people are like, fuck that bitch! Um, Which is how people react to a lot of other people. Yeah, it's just embarrassing, really. It, It is like this oddity in her career that is, like, really pronounced. It's not, like, something that's in the back of your mind. When you hear Martha Stewart, I think one of the first things you think about is the the insider trading scandal and the fact that she went to jail. Um, But it doesn't define all of her. Yeah, it's the first thing I think of when you say Martha Stewart. There's no questions asked. Yeah, but you're right. It doesn't impact, like, her other ventures, I guess, because it just doesn't have to do with, like, being in finance. Even though, funnily enough, she was a stockbroker for a while. But you don't think Martha Stewart in finance. Like, if she was, like, a really influential person in finance a thought leader in finance like a bit like a ceo of a big bank or something then obviously that would come to define her but it's like oh yeah she's like a really good cook and can tell you about wedding planning right she like makes a pie here and there okay it's not that big of a deal that she like lied about some money okay it doesn't affect the fucking bakery that i'm trying to create with her do you think martha stewart was unfairly targeted um like I guess. I mean, like, I feel like she didn't do, she wasn't, like, the bad guy in the situation. Like, the pharmaceutical people were, like, kind of the assholes of it all. She just kind of got wrapped up in it. But, hey, with fame comes, with fame comes a spotlight. And that spotlight is going to be shown even brighter. It's kind of like, you know, when you premiere your show in Chicago. All I'm going to say is, with the spotlight being shown on me right now, I'm not sharing any of my finances with you or anyone else. You're only going to deal with your broker, Bakanovich. Yeah. I just feel like with my huge following right now, I'm the next Martha Stewart if I do anything wrong. I'm not trying to go to West Virginia prison. Not today, not anytime soon. So I'm really being careful with my newfound fame. Um, Something Martha was not good at. No, she was not. She was, she, you know, she lasted uh, 20 years being super famous before uh, she ultimately went to prison, building up a $2 billion empire. But she really didn't handle fame and success that well. No, 
knew she was not good at it. Not her strong point. No. So I could teach her a few things if she ever wants to get in contact with me. She can go through my agent, and then we'll just kind of go from there. And where can she uh, contact you? Is it one eight three three Broadway? No, no, no. That's Broadway's number. It's one eight three three Ryan. Ryan's phone. Is it is it one eight three three Ryan? Kind of like one eight hundred Tony. No, it's one eight three three Ryan's phone. I actually get more numbers than a normal telephone number. So that's how special you are. Thank you. Well, I think we covered it all, right? I think we got it. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this lesson in economics by two certified economicsists. I love being an economicist with you, right? It's my it's my favorite, uh, you know, space that we get into. You know, we get into a lot of spaces. We talk obviously celebrity, but when you get in, when we get into the economicists, it's my true passion, and I'm happy that I was able to pursue it today. Yeah, because today we just talked about the economy, right? The economy and stock markets. <laughs> so next week on this podcast will be covering politics. Just kidding. I don't touch politics. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Armin, for that enthralling journey with Martha. I want to go fucking bake a cookie or something. With arugula sprinkled on top, right? Arugula cookies. They're the new thing. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you join us next week.